Welcome to the South Carolina State Library's podcast, Library Voices SC. I'm Curtis Rogers, Communications Director, and today I'm pleased to have with us in our podcast studio, Dr. Carolyn Donnellan. Carolyn has been a middle school science teacher, a high school science teacher, a school administrator, and a district administrator. She has been with the Richland County School District 1 for 21 years and has been the lead flight director of their Challenger Learning Center since 2011. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. And when I read your title, I love that you are the lead flight director of the Challenger Learning Center. So what is involved in the Challenger Learning Center and what is what does a lead flight director do? Because that's <laughs> such a great title. Okay, well, the Challenger Learning Center, we are part of a network of learning centers. There's over 40 of them around the world, originally established in 1986 after the Challenger accident. Our center was started in 1996. And so what all the centers do is simulated space missions. So school groups come to us. We have a mission control room, a space station room. And when the students are in mission control, they're scientists and engineers. They're analyzing the data that's being collected over in space station. They have to figure out if everything's going okay. If something's not, they have to figure out how to fix it. And when they're over in space station, they're assigned to different teams, and different teams are collecting data. Some are using instruments to collect data. Some are taking measurements. Some are using computer things. But they send all that data back over to mission control for analysis. And so we have two missions that we do. But I'm the lead flight director, and so what I get to do is I basically run the center. I've got two mission commanders that are certified teachers who are responsible for running the missions. Mm -hmm. We have a certified pilot on staff who does some of our drone stuff and our aviation stuff and things like that. We've got lots of other activities we do too, but when you go to NASA or a place like that, when they do a mission, Mm -hmm. you have a mission commander who is up in the space station, Mm -hmm. and then the person down on the ground that's guiding all that stuff is the flight director, Mm -hmm. and that's me. That is so cool. I mean, I, you're describing it the whole time, and I'm thinking, I want to come by and see this place. You need to. You should. <laughs> it sounds really neat. How did you get involved with it? I had been with the district for many, many years previously, and I am a science teacher, and I'm a certified administrator. Mm-hmm. And luck. I mean, you know. <laughs> Just serendipitous. Yeah. It was, uh-huh. I was there at the right time when they needed somebody, and I applied, and I got the job. That's very cool. So... Um, what kinds of things do students learn while they're there? And do they spend, you know, an entire day there? Or is it, do, they, do you have like a summer camp or anything like that? That's two really big questions. Okay. <laughs> when students come to us, school groups, um, we work with K-12. Mm-hmm. When they're very young, the kindergartners, first, second grade, usually they'll stay for maybe an hour and a half or two hours, okay. which for them is a really long time. By that then, it- they're just... You know. Right, exactly. <laughs> I know they can't see my face, but, you know, little kids get, get excited and then they get tired. Yeah, then they're ready for the iPad game or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, older students typically will keep will have activities for about three hours mm-hmm. that we do with them. Mm-hmm. A lot of school groups will bring bag lunches and we have a place where they can eat. And that make it, makes it easier for them when they go back to school, not having to coordinate with the lunchroom mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But typically, yeah, three, three to four hours is how long they stay. Okay. And I remember there was another part. Oh, summer oh, camps. Oh, about camps, yeah. Okay, yes, we do have summer camps. We still have them going on right now. And 
Our drone camps are filled up, so don't ask. But <laughs> some of our other camps, I think we might have one or two vacancies in our advanced rocket camp that uh, is coming up in two okay. weeks. So if people want to go to the website, uh-huh. they can do that, which is www.thechallengercenter.net. Anyway, so yeah, we have lots of summer camps. We have some for little kids, some for medium kids, some for the big kids. And what all different kind? because you've mentioned rocket, you've mentioned drone, what all of those different kinds of programs are there? Okay, for summer camps, we have drone summer camps, we mm-hmm. have rocket summer camps, we have robotics summer camps. Ooh, like with the Lego kits or? A couple of different things. What we do in our robot camp is they'll spend the morning every day building a kit robot that they get to keep. Mm. And each day it's a different robot that has different talents basically Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then once they're done with that yeah we have the lego the ev3 robots where they learn how to program them and they can drive them around with the ipad and and have different tasks that they complete with that Mm -hmm. okay so drone rockets robots the probably our most popular summer camp is astronaut academy Mm. which is basically one day of each of those things so Uh, they kind of get like an overview of everything mm -hmm. and then once they figure out what their favorite thing is they'll come back for that camp you know the specialty camp Mm -hmm. We have an e-planetarium, which is basically a portable planetarium. So we've got some really great planetarium shows that we do. We do the simulated space missions. During the school year, we have a lot of hands-on science. And we deliberately choose topics that relate to science standards that we know that teachers either don't have the materials or it's not worth them buying to teach one lesson, Mm -hmm, if that mm -hmm, makes sense. mm -hmm. So like we have a class set of weather instruments so that when the kids come to us they learn about the weather instruments which is one of the standards that they have to learn but they can all sit there and play with one Mm because the school's not going to buy 30 of those but if we buy them we can use them over and over and over again Mm -hmm. so basically we focus on aerospace and earth science so anything that relates to that phases of the moon Mm -hmm. telescopes you know basic properties of light we also have an aerospace education lab. I told you we had a certified pilot on staff, mm-hmm. and we've got computers set up with flight simulation software and yokes and rudders. And so during the school year, we teach that in terms of force and motion and physics. You know, what mm. are the forces on a plane? How do pilots manipulate the plane to be able to control those forces, to be able to fly and do those kinds of things? Mm-hmm. And so that's what we do during the school year. But then in the summer, we do intro to aviation, advanced aviation, and our pilot can get into teaching kids what they need to know to be eventually become a pilot. That is so cool. I mean, do you have any success stories that maybe you've had a student come back and they actually did go on to flight school or something? We've had students that ended up going to the aerospace engineering program at USC, which is really cool. Yeah. And for the first time this summer, we are doing an advanced drone camp, which is to prepare students for their remote pilot certificate, which is taking a written test as opposed to becoming a a private pilot. You have to get all that flight time and stuff in. Sure. So I don't have any results back from that yet, but we're really excited about that. And then also this summer, we are offering a professional development camp for teachers because if you get paid to fly a drone even you know if you're taking pictures with it or if you're having students do stuff outside Mm -hmm. you need to have your remote pilot license Mm. and so trying to get teachers comfortable with that so they can incorporate drones into their curriculum that's very cool and speaking of curriculum how do you kind of align your programs with what teachers have to follow for their curriculum standards we are very much aligned. I am a former science teacher, and so for the activities we do, we, we look at the standards, we look at how we know the standards are gonna be tested mm. and make sure that we're presenting information that supports that. Mm-hmm. And also we get a lot of feedback from teachers. And so like for one of the lessons that we do within the space missions, there was a mapping activity because mm-hmm. navigation is a huge part of traveling in space. 
And so they gave us feedback, you know, if you change this and this, then it kind of aligns to the social studies standard too, because mm. I'm not a social studies person. Like, oh yeah, definitely. So, you know, we deliberately align, but then as we get feedback, we kind of tweak stuff to, to mm -hmm. align it even better. We have some school groups from North Carolina and Georgia that come to us. Oh, and so wow. they have different standards. And so we had one group, they came last year, and then when they were coming, when they were making their plans to come back this year, they gave us a little bit of heads up, you know, if you could add this bit of information in here or do this, then it helps us meet our standards as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we, like I said, we're certified teachers and we make science fun and exciting, mm -hmm. but we still want the kids to learn. Well, it sounded more and more like a place I have to come visit. Um, one of the questions that I have is how are you funded? Is it mostly through the school district or do you get any kind of federal funds? Or It is almost entirely from the school district. Okay. All of Richland One schools get to bring their students to us at absolutely no cost to the school. Okay. When students from out of districts come to us, they pay a slight fee and mm -hmm. we get to collect that fee and we use that to buy new computers and, and buy equipment and gotcha. things like that. Mm -hmm. And then we also have a foundation that has done a wonderful job helping us get some grants to buy the flight simulation software and the furniture and all the yokes and rudders and things oh, like that. cool. Now is that just a local foundation or is there like a national or international this foundation? This foundation is specific to our center. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. That's, that's always good to have. Oh yes it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so there have been been, there has been a major astronomical um, event, and that was a couple of years ago with the eclipse. So yes. was there any kind of programming you did centering around that? What we did is we worked with our district and we got solar eclipse glasses for students and employees in our district. That's great. And, you know, we had online training that the teachers could sign into and do the training, you know, asynchronously mm -hmm. so they would know how to do it safely, all that kind of stuff, so they could get that information to their students. Mm -hmm. The actual event happened before the school year started, and if memory serves, I think it could have been when our district deliberately delayed a day, so we okay. wouldn't have kids on the road yes, with buses that's and right. all that because right. the traffic mm -hmm. was going to be bad, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. But yeah, just making sure that all of our teachers knew how to view it safely, and they had the resources to help our students view it safely, mm -hmm. and then, yeah, counting out. Yeah, <laughs> listen, I know at libraries went glasses. through the same thing. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a lot of libraries got those uh, glasses and, and gave them out. Um, so another big event that is happening is the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. Yes. So is there any kind of programming you're doing? And in fact, I think that's, isn't that coming up this weekend? Isn't yes. It's the 20th, mm -hmm. I think? Yep, the, la the anniversary of the launch was on the gosh, two days ago, the 16th. And okay. so we participated in Global Rocket Launch. Oh, wow. And so that was coordinated through the space camp people down in Huntsville. Mm -hmm. to, and so we registered through them so that way they were going to collect all the numbers of rockets that were launched on that day to get in the Guinness Book of World Records, though I have not checked to see if they actually beat the record yet or uh -huh. not. But so we had that open to the community. So we're in front of our center and we had 10 or so model rockets ready to launch and we'd let people you know do mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. but then yeah the 50th anniversary of the actual landing is on the 20th okay and so no we did the rocket launch for our big thing so. okay <laughs> that's cool um so w what kinds of you mentioned huntsville and and um I know there are a lot of organizations out there, but what kind of other organizations do you collaborate with through the center? 
The South Carolina Aeronautics Commission has been wonderful to us. Okay, and that's a state government agency. It's a state government agency, mm-hmm. and they've helped me connect with different businesses and different organizations okay. and things like that. And also in our atrium area, they are affiliated with the South Carolina Hall of Fame for pilots, oh, for okay. the Aviation Hall of Fame. And so there are four astronauts who are in that Hall of Fame. Okay. And so we've got these very cool pictures out of holograms that show them like the younger version and the older version, okay. which just fascinates well, the Well, are you located at Owens? At the no, Okay, no. because I've seen those. Um, those same kind the, of things, yeah. At the local airport, mm-hmm. they have those same kinds of, you know, where yeah. you walking back and forth and the picture So moves. they made extras of the astronauts and gave them to us. Okay. And then they gave the foundation grants that helped us get some stuff and things like that. All right. Um, we w- are partners with the South Carolina Council on Competitiveness. Last year when they were hosting the South Carolina Aerospace Conference and Expo, we worked with them mm-hmm. so we could have a career day. And so we had hundreds and hundreds of high schoolers and middle schoolers get to come for morning and visit with the vendors and learn about the careers and what they had to do to prepare That's themselves really cool. for the careers and things like that. We have a very good partnership with the University of South Carolina with the McNair Center and with the College of Engineering. So we do things with them. Um, The South Carolina Aviation Association Mm -hmm. has been good friends to us as well. We're members of NASA's Museum Alliance, and so we kind of get sneak peeks about resources that we can use for different events that we want to use, and they send us things. We're part of the Challenger Center for Space Science Education Network, and then like I said, through the Aeronautics Commission and the Aviation Association, they've introduced us to people at Lockheed Martin, at Boeing, at all these different places so we can learn about the industry and get kids excited for things like that. Hmm. And then you'd mentioned Hamilton Owens. Yeah, they've been a wonderful resource to us as well. Great. They've got a local EAA chapter that gives... Which is what? Experimental Aircraft Association. Ah. People that build their own planes. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's very cool. And one of the things that they do that is just fantastic is they do Young Eagle flights every month. Ah. And so for students aged 7 to 17, Mm -hmm. I think those are the ages, they can come out there on that Saturday and get a free airplane ride. Oh, wow. So they'll take them up in a plane, fly them around for 15, 20 minutes. Uh They also get a code. So if they're interested in becoming a pilot, they can do this online ground school thing for free to help them get ready for their pilot's test. Gosh, so many resources. Yep. We are very fortunate. That's wonderful. We have lots of friends. Um, Okay. So just for for people out there listening, um, when someone walks into your center, describe what they see. What, What do things look like? Okay, they walk in, we have a lobby, we have a receptionist that has a brand new fun little desk that we got because it looks spacey. (laughs) To the left you have mission control and it's got windows on the wall so you don't have to go in to see it, Okay. which is kind of like real mission controls Uh are. And then to the right you look down a long hallway that leads to our atrium, which from where you're standing in the lobby you don't see much. If you go a little bit further to the right, we've got a gift shop, we've got some displays, we've got some space shuttle tires that have actually been in space and done a landing and mm-hmm. a tile from a, a space shuttle that's been in outer space. Wow. And then in our classroom area, it's just a nice big space. Mm-hmm. I think a school would call it like a multi-purpose room mm-hmm. because we can set up the planetarium in there. We've got tables in there if we want to do the rockets or the robots and all that kind okay. of stuff. If you go back to the lobby and go the other direction, we have an astronaut theater where we do the briefings before we go do the missions Mm -hmm. and then you can get into space station which is really cool it is set up like i said where the students are in different teams and every team has different things that they're doing so there's different equipment set up Mm -hmm. across the hall from that is our aerospace education lab 
which is a computer lab with the yokes and the foot pedals. Okay, And cool. double monitors, thanks to the grant. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> those, we love those grants. Yep. Um, so you've also talked a little bit about um, students going through a mission. What's involved in that from start to finish? Do they, okay. you know, what different things do they have to do? We have two missions. One is aligned to fourth grade standards. One is aligned to eighth grade standards okay. because that's where the big astronomy standards are in the curriculum. Mm -hmm. And so for fourth grade, the mission is return to the moon. And so when students are going to do that, first they come into the briefing room. Mm -hmm. And I usually give the briefing and I give them a background of what they're doing, which is basically they have found frozen water on the moon, which is true. A lot of people still don't know that, but they really have. Mm -hmm. And so... The story of the mission is that NASA wants to establish a colony on the moon so they can mine the water ice and then use that water ice to either create fuel for you know rockets going further places or they'll have it as water or a source of oxygen, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so from them, they're going to get divided up into different teams. I each team has different tasks, but we need for everyone to complete their tasks. And so half the kids go to mission control, half the kids go to space station. Before they get to this center, teachers can download a crew manifest. So if they want to assign students to particular groups oh, okay. based on their interest or who they know works well together, they can do that. If mm -hmm. not, we just get them divided up. But we've got a navigation team. We have got a life support team. We've got a probe team. We've got a medical team. We've got an isolation remote team. Wow. And so life support is responsible for monitoring temperature, humidity, all those kinds of things, sending all that data over so they can fix things if they go wrong. Mm -hmm. The probe team uses snap circuits, and they're actually going to be building different circuits that we can use in the probe that we're going to launch at the end of the mission. Mm -hmm. The navigation team is responsible for using a sextant, which is part of the standards mm -hmm. to figure out where we are and how far we've traveled and that kind of thing. The medical team does tests on all the other astronauts, typically vision tests, because astronauts' vision is very much affected when they're in a low-gravity environment, and mm. so they um, can do a peripheral test. They can do color. No, colorblind is for comet. But anyway, the peripheral test is the one they get excited about. Mm -hmm. And we also have a reaction time test because that's another thing that gets affected when you're in a low-gravity environment. Mm -hmm. And then isolation remote, they are basically doing geology tests on different things to figure out where wow. would be the best place to set up the colony. So they're collecting all that data. When they go to mission control, they stay on the same team. So mm -hmm. whatever data they've collected, when they go over there to analyze, they kind of have an idea about you know what's coming their way. Mm -hmm. And the ones that were in mission control come over, stay on the same team, so they now understand the research they've been doing and, and all that kind of okay. stuff. And then at the end of the mission, we'll launch their probe based on all the input that we've received from the teams about where our landing site should be, how we should construct the probe, and we'll see if the probe would land on the moon and would it start sending back some data. Mm. So for the eighth graders, the mission is rendezvous with a comet, oh, wow. which was the original um, Challenger mission. We've tweaked it somewhat because at the moment we're not really interested in comets. When we first started writing the mission, it was when, was when the asteroid redirect mission was still a go. Mm. And so even though technically it's not a go, it's still something that kids are really interested in, especially mm -hmm. when they see the video about how many asteroids are really close to Earth. Mm -hmm. And so we have the same team set up, but they do different things. So in the fourth grade mission, they're basically using analog scales to, to get their measurements. When they do the same kinds of measurements for the eighth grade, they're using digital scales. They're using everything electronic, mm -hmm. which is a little bit more complicated, mm -hmm. so it kind of fits. Yeah. Um, the navigation team actually programs a little robot that has to follow a certain path, so we can say they're programming how the probe is going to go get to the asteroid. Um, isolation remote is actually doing tests and things to figure out which asteroid we should 
be aiming towards because mm -hmm. they have to at the end of the mission they make a recommendation about which asteroid should we be worried about for our asteroid redirect mission oh, okay so wow, yeah everyone's doing something different that's really cool <laughs> it is really cool and what it's a little complicated for the teachers because since everyone's doing something different every team is actually hitting different standards sure so they can't say okay we're going to go here and everyone's going to get all these standards now everyone's doing something specialized mm -hmm. but it's really fun because the teams have to communicate with each other mm -hmm. and change what they're doing based on the feedback that they've received that's really neat and you mentioned um them using a sextant which i think is really cool do you mm -hmm. ever um do you ever also what's it called an astrolabe do you ever use those we've not um that's technically not in the standards. I think okay. they're supposed to know they exist. I uh, gotcha. And for the sextant, we know that they actually use them in the Apollo mission. Oh, so we okay. can kind of tie it in that way. Yeah. And basically, they're just getting two readings, and th we're not making them do all the trig. We just have a chart where they can look uh, up if the <laughs> right. reading is here. You know, what does that mean kind uh -huh, of thing. Uh -huh. But no, we don't have an astrolabe. That'd okay. be really cool, though. Yeah, yeah, that would be neat. Um, um, and you had mentioned also about uh, being able to set up a planetarium. What What's all involved with that? Okay. From the outside, it looks like one of those blow-up bouncy houses, just mm -hmm. a big half sphere. Mm -hmm. But on the inside, we have a mirror with a projector, and it projects the, the show. It's a digital show. We've We've got a couple of different shows, but the two that we push the most, Earth's Wild Ride, we push for the elementary kids because... The story is that you have a grandfather that was born on Earth who's going to the moon where his grandkids are. They've mm -hmm. never been to Earth. So he describes how things on Earth are different and how things are kind of the same. And you get to see dinosaurs and lava mm. flumes. And it's all very exciting. Mm -hmm. And for people like me, yeah, you get out of there and you're like, whoa, motion sickness. <laughs> but it does a really good job of comparing Earth and moon, which ties back to the fourth grade standards. Okay. For the middle school, we have a show called Impact, which talks about impacts that have happened on the earth from comets and asteroids and things like that which relates very well to the mission that they're doing and it also relates to their science standards in mm -hmm. the eighth grade about asteroids and comets and things like that it's also a digital show so it's not like i know a lot of people my age we grew up and we got to go to the planetarium that was at the art museum where it was like right. the big lights. yeah it's not yeah. like that okay all right but I still like that one that they yeah, had at the art museum. That was very <laughs> cool. Um, so yeah, there are, uh, and it, that reminds me kind of what you're talking about because I have an app and I forget the name of the app on my iPad when I take my telescope outside. Stellarium. And I can, that might be it, but it's something light. It's not like the full version. So that's okay. <laughs> at but least yeah, it's you something. can you can put in your coordinates and the time, and it shows yeah, you what you, you should be see, seeing. Uh -huh, yeah. So that way you can aim everything. Yeah, yeah, because earlier this month I was able to, and I've got an eight-inch Newtonian that I take outside into the front yard or the backyard, depending, and I was able to see. Um, Jupiter, because Jupiter's up right now, and Saturn is, is up. I haven't taken it back out to see Saturn, but I did get to see Jupiter and three of the moons, which wow. was really cool. That's cool. I love yeah. doing stuff like that. Um, so uh, one of the other things that I wanted to ask you is, uh, and of course, this is Library Voices SC, yeah. and you know we're all about libraries. And in fact, just so you know, we actually have circulating kits for other public libraries to use, and some of those are robotics. And so, like Ooh, we, when I, I mentioned the the Lego, you know, mm -hmm. there's even one of the kits with the Lego robot. So 
young adult librarians can use that with kids who come into the library to do different Very kinds cool. of programs, which is neat. But what I wanted to ask you is, um, how do your programs relate to libraries, and do you ever partner with libraries or work with libraries in the district? As far as working with libraries in the district, yeah, a lot, you know, resources and things like that. But I think how we relate the most is I think most people, especially children, have this inherent interest in astronomy and mm. astrophysics and cosmology, and they want to know about black holes and novas and how things happen and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And understandably, the curriculum kind of treats all that superficially. I mean, you can't get into the, right. the deep stuff with that kind of. And I've had so many parents, you know, their kids will come for summer camp or they'll mm -hmm. come for something and they'll say, my kid got so excited. We have been to the library. We have checked out so many books on black holes or this <laughs> or right. that. And I think just piquing that interest mm -hmm. and then making sure that the kids know enough to go find a resource or even know how to ask a good question about what they're interested in to exactly. go get it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's another challenge libraries face is um, weeding their collections, especially when it comes to science and technology, because you don't want a book in the collection from 1967 that says one day man will land on the moon. You yeah. know, I mean, you want to keep all of that up to date, and that's a big challenge for libraries to have to do. It is, because it's constantly changing, and they're constantly learning new stuff. Mm -hmm. And then you have these events like the eclipse last year. Okay, mm -hmm. who knew you needed that many books on the eclipse? And, you know, you might not need them. I mean, there still be some interest, but not like it was right. two years ago. Right, exactly. And now you have all the moon stuff going on, and you know, the 50th Apollo, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, just making sure that we know what kids are interested in, mm -hmm. and I use libraries all the time. <laughs> Which is great. We love to yeah. hear that. You know, so I can keep current with what's going on. Mm -hmm. And nowadays, libraries have so many online resources, so that's another plus. Yes, I am a big fan of my ebooks. <laughs> yes, that's great. Um, okay, so one last thing: is there uh, are, are there moments when you're working with students that you see that aha moment? Yes, and yeah, that's that's the best part. I bet I, that's really cool. You know, when when you can see them working and they're like, "There's a reason we learned this." Yeah. Or when they're doing something and people get to do this for a living because one of the activities that we do is a basic pH test mm. which to people that do science you yeah know, that's the, nothing no, I do that on my fish tank you know <laughs> yeah but for some of these kids it's like people do this I'm like, oh, that's just the very basic I mean they get to do this they can do this they can do this and you're mm. just like wow so yeah within that every day that is cool but I think some of my my favorite stories were when we do Aerospace Career Day. I think we've done eight or nine. I should know that. Mm -hmm. um, I think eight. Anyway, but we partnered with the Aerospace Conference last year so the kids could talk to even more people because when we do it at our center, we were kind of limited in the numbers. Mm -hmm. But you'd have kids come in, and they don't want to talk to anyone, and all of a sudden they start talking to somebody. Uh -huh. And you can see that little in their little head uh -huh. go. <laughs> and so we would have guys from the – from the fire academy south Carolina fire academy okay. because we have one of the best aircraft rescue and firefighting program training programs oh, cool. in the country i mean they actually have people from other countries uh, wow anyway and so you'd see these kids talking to them and then you'd hear the conversation afterwards mm. dude i'm gonna do that right. are you crazy <laughs> no they give you the training you get the suit this is awesome uh -huh. Or then we had the FAA talking to somebody, and they were talking to this one lady, and she just was talking to him and talking to him. She's like, "Okay, I'm going to be an air traffic controller. That's what I'm going. That that's what I want to do." Oh, and you know, and it's just so neat when 
when they mm-hmm. figure you see that those out. light bulbs go off. And since they're in a school setting, all the people that are presenting information are like, okay, so if you want to do this, you know, take these classes, do this, make sure you take your algebra, make sure you do this science, whatever one it is. And mm-hmm. and to see the kids like get that understanding that they're not just you know killing time in school. Right. It's actually for a purpose, and to know where they're going after that, they get just very. I can't use my hands on the podcast, but, you know, they just get very focused about yeah. what they want to do. And it is so neat to see that. That's great. Or for kids, to, like I said, the little ones, when they realize that people get to do science for a living. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and, and what it contributes to. I mean, it's really, mm-hmm. really important. Or doing the robots or like when they're building the robots and it finally works. So they go out and they launch their rocket and it works and it does what it's supposed to. And mm-hmm. they struggle with it because that's one of the things, especially in summer camps, our kids struggle. It's not all fun. It's mm-hmm. hard. Science can be hard. Building a rocket is hard. It's rocket science, getting it right. Building your robot, getting all the wires. You know, they mm-hmm. get frustrated, and a lot of kids don't have a lot of experience with that frustration, but when they finally work sure. through it, and it works. And they're moving from that abstract to the concrete. They're, you know, mm-hmm. they have all that theory, and they they know what's possible, but then, like, when you say they see that rocket launch. Yeah, and they did that and mm-hmm. they get to keep it and then you have the kids no you're not launching my rocket I don't want it to go. <laughs> that's great but yeah no I have it's a great facility so yeah definitely come visit us mm-hmm. and um, if groups want to come see us we don't just work with school groups we work with homeschool groups we've okay. had church groups we have daycares come to us we do work with groups we don't mm-hmm. have single people coming okay. to, to do stuff because mm-hmm. when we've got a group yeah, no one else comes in. Cause, right. You know, it, yeah, you're if you think about us, we're still kind of like a school, mm-hmm. even, you know. But we've had groups set up with us that are families, you know, bring 10 okay. people. Yeah. Bring your lunch, have a birthday party. That's yeah, cool. we're cool. What with is that. the minimum amount? Uh, 10. 10. 10. Okay. Yeah, because it's not a museum. You know, right. it requires a person with you guiding you through stuff. activities yeah. and yeah. things like that. Okay. But. Very yeah, cool. Well, I, I certainly have learned a lot. And again, uh, the website address is thechallengercenter.net, and yes. we will have a link to that on our podcast page. So thank you so much great. for being with us well, thank today. thank you so much for having me. It was great having you here. And thank you for um, our listeners. You can find Library Voices SC on Podbean, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio, or add us on your favorite podcast app. Our podcast website address is libraryvoices.podbean.com. We love hearing from our listeners, so please send us your comments and suggestions for future topics. Library Voices SC is the official podcast of the South Carolina State Library. So until next time, this is Curtis Rogers. Thanks for listening.